It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everybody, as we are getting ready for the Sharks to take on the Bruins tonight at 7.30 from the tank. Should be a full house. Very much excited to see uh, all our friends from the Boston Bruins community come out because it's a great fan base. Uh, I have many friends of my own who are Bruins fans, and while we do enjoy uh, giving each other uh, a lot of crap, it is, uh, it's a great fan base, and I'm always excited to see their fans out at the tank, and I feel like that's one of the things that makes the Shark Tank such a great place to see a game. I have never once seen any negative interactions between Sharks fans and fans of opposing fan bases. In fact, when Vegas was in town on, I believe, October 25th or 26th, I was doing a post-game interview with Leah Hextall of ESPN, who was doing the call that night, and there were some Knights fans taking a picture at the end after they had beaten the Sharks, and a couple of Sharks fans coming down saw they were trying to take a picture, and they said, hey, you want us to take a couple snaps for you? And they did it for him, and it worked out very nicely. And I think, see, everybody thinks that these fans can't get along in modern sports. Well, they do in San Jose at the very least. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get into some Bruins talk because they are obviously having a fantastic season, and uh, they're the Sharks' opponents tonight. So with that, we are now joined by Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic. Fluto, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Hi, Ted. Good. Everything good here. Right on. Like the Bruins. Yeah, yeah, man. I here's the deal. Like, um, one of my running gags is that as being a sports broadcaster, I am really good at being wrong about things. And when the Bruins made the decision to part ways with Bruce Cassidy, I was thinking, boy, they're they're gonna rue the day they made this decision. And once again, I was uh, I've been proven wrong up to this point. What at the time? What was your reaction? Not not looking at it from the the viewpoint of today, but at the time, what was your take on that decision? Well, Ted, uh, I'll, I'll agree with you in somewhat. <clears throat> um, I think Bruce Bruce's time was up. <clears throat> um, you look at the track record; it was amazing, right? Six years, six playoff uh, appearances, one run to the Stanley Cup final. A lot of players had gotten better under Bruce's time, but I think a lot of players, especially the younger ones, had gotten a little bit weary of Bruce's approach. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that said, uh, A, at the time, we didn't know who was going to be under consideration for the coach, but so you just expected that there would be some degree of slippage. And then, and then from my perspective, I thought, okay, this is Bruce, and, and we saw he went to Vegas, which is looking for a cup. This, this signaled to me uh, a, an acknowledgement that their championship days were over for the Bruins, that this was going to be, okay, perhaps they're going to bring in a younger coach, someone who's a little bit uh, more progressive with young players, and let's start the rebuild, because at the time there, there was still some uncertainty regarding Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, uh, to say nothing of David Pasternak. Um, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> you, you, talk, you talk about wrong. I, I was, I was uh, front and center in terms of 
where the Bruins would be. If you come back to the actual coach thing, Jim Montgomery's been terrific. Uh, zero complaints from Bruins in, in, in any department um, when it comes to coaching. So uh, good luck to Bruce, and, and he's done well to, to land uh, in Vegas. And who knows, uh, when these two teams played before, uh, it'll... It, was it was not out of the realm of possibility that it could be Bruins and Golden Knights um, come June, so that could still happen. But yeah, it's been a I, I will I will suspect uh, most people around the Bruins did not see this coming. <laughs> no, no, and you know that's the thing is like it's almost been a best case scenario for both parties because you know Casty with what he's done with Vegas. I mean, I viewed them as having a high ceiling. But for it to work out up to this point, obviously, it's all about how you finish, not how about you start. And we're, you know, it's literally the midway point right now. Um, but uh, certainly it's looking out, you know, looking very exciting for, for all parties. Um, what were your expectations of Montgomery and why is it working so well? Because I thought when the move happened, I thought, OK, maybe they're trying to figure out where this is going. Maybe they need to bring somebody in to kind of tell them you know, which direction they should take this franchise, but it's gone so exceedingly well for the Bruins. Like I, I, again, I could never, like, even when they had a hot start, I was like, well, that's interesting, but this won't last again. Good at being wrong. And I look at them now and it's just like, they're, they look phenomenal. I think players for the most part are just, they, they feel freer under Jim. That is just, he's, He's there. Yes, there is still accountability. There's still structure defensively. There is still a standard to how he wants him to play. But he also has given them the freedom to be able to create. Um, it's it's more offensive minded. Uh, it's more freedom to go up the ice. Um, it's not the end of the world if they play outside their structure at times. Um, so I think guys are just happier. Um, he's. He's not as in your face as Bruce, who who was and still is demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was probably the biggest complaint from players is that they just felt uh, worn down by Bruce's approach. And that's just not who Jim is as a, as a person or or as a coach. Uh, very positive, very um, glasses half full, um, gives them a lot more green lights instead of red lights. So and then strategically, you, you've seen. Um, a lot more expression of their transition game, mm-hmm. um, more uh, of an emphasis on shot quality versus quantity. So, and the special teams have been good in both areas. Goaltending's been outstanding. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's, it's it's been terrific for for Jim. Um, good for him for making the most of his second chance. And yeah, it's, <laughs> you go up, up, down, left, right. I don't think the Bruins have any complaints about anything at this point. Is there a concern you have when you watch what's going on? Like, are you waiting for something to happen in terms of, you know, they, for lack of a better expression, they haven't dealt with much adversity up to this point this year. It's been exceptionally smooth sailing. Sometimes when teams, and not that they aren't, they don't have veterans that have been there and done that. They clearly do. But, you know, sometimes it's always interesting when a team that's had all the smooth sailing hits that rough point, like things change. Well, of course, the health is is the number one. So if three, five guys go down, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci run out of gas, Lena Salmar comes back down to earth or he gets hurt, though those are always the variables that you look to and see how they respond. But on the flip side, that was one of the, the areas that I think a lot of people looked at 
at the beginning of the season in terms of health that made you think, okay, this team is going to fight it at mm-hmm. the beginning of the season. No Brad Marchand, no Charlie McAvoy, no Matt Grizzlick. These are, in terms of Brad and Charlie, those are those are among the best at their professions. Um, and then Grizzlick, he's a very good defender, uh, very good in the transition game. All three were unavailable at the start of the season just because they had um, they were still uh, rehabbing from from off season surgeries. And the Bruins were just fine in terms of how they performed without three of those critical players. And now that they're back, we're seeing uh, a lot of players slotted in the right place. And we still haven't seen, especially with Brad and Charlie, mm-hmm. they have they, they have not come close to their ceilings. There's there's been there's been bursts, uh, especially on the power play for Brad. But five on five, we haven't seen them close to what they can be. So, yes, uh, they have one pretty significant injury right now in Jake DeBrusque, mm-hmm. but it's you lose a, your number one right wing, and then all they do is put David Pasternak back with, with Martian and Bergeron. And it's, okay, perhaps you might have some issues in terms of trickle-down lower in the lineup as these games pile up, but... Uh, so far, that that's the only thing that you would think would be the the speed bump on on the road. But they survived. No, they, no, that's that's probably the wrong word. They they thrived. Yeah, you know, three key players at the beginning. No, I mean it's 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 fascinating to watch. Like it's a well oiled machine right now, and it just seems like you know they're they're a buzzsaw. I mean that's for the Sharks. And you know before I get to the Sharks, um, you know just a little bit more broader question for you. But I mean that's you know the. From where the Sharks are on the second night of a back-to-back after having a an, yet another painful loss, like the Bruins, they, they represent quite a, a threat coming into the building tonight. Um, what do you make of the Bruins entering uh, the, the trade deadline? Obviously, that's still a little bit of a ways away, but the talk continues to heat up by the day. Like how... You know, do you think they're aggressive to make themselves seem like a, you know, like a can't miss for a deep run? Or do you think there's always that question of you don't want to mess too much with a good thing? Well, you certainly wouldn't expect anything to be coming off the roster, right? Just yeah. because they're, they're so, uh, they're, there's just, there's nothing going wrong with them. So why mess up the chemistry? So, but. You, there's there's all kinds of you don't know what tomorrow will bring when it comes to Patrice Bergeron, 37, David Krejci, 36, David Pasternak, last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. Now I would expect that they the team will eventually meet David Pasternak's price and that they will sign him to some ridiculous eight year <laughs> huge huge money. But you don't know that could uh, maybe that that might not happen. Um, and so you you have to maximize if you're the organization this opportunity because they are clearly the best team in the league and they they have not been in this position in the last few years that yes they they've always been in the mix but not front and center in terms of of best team in the league so if if you can reinforce an area and that's you're you're really nitpicking at this point okay let's let's see if you can get a, a depth right wing or maybe a center or maybe some help on defense there's there's not really an area where they're saying okay they they really need help in this department before the deadline so they're in a pretty good position in terms of being picky about what they want now the the issue is is cap space they don't have it they're mm-hmm. in LTI now because of DeBrusque but they're not he's going to be back within a month so it's going to be they're going to have to either move out money or there's certainly you would expect there to be some salary retention if they go after a big name player. Um, and they don't have much in terms of picks or prospects. But at this point, everything's on the table because, again, this is this might be it. 
yeah. for, for this team. So you you have you have to make the most of of the opportunity that's presented. So yes, I expect them to be aggressive. What is your take on the Sharks right now? Because the Sharks were in that position kind of that the Bruins are now up until the you know the start of the 2019-2020 season where every year they were you know kind of counted off after you know 2014 when they went up 3-0 on the Kings and then they lost four straight and were knocked out missed the playoffs the next year they come back they make a Stanley Cup final in the first year under Pete DeBoer and then they're making runs the next couple of years and then they acquire Eric Carlson to make a run to the Western Conference final in 2019 and it's finally now come to an end for the Sharks and, you know, they bought in Mike Greer and, you know, obviously Doug Wilson stepping down at the end of next year. It's very much a a transitional moment. I've been saying that the calendar year of 2023 is going to be one of the most um, influential and consequential for the Sharks in the history of the franchise. But as your outsider perspective, what is your view on where the Sharks are right now? Yeah, that's that's probably good. You, you know it better than than I do, Ted. In terms of which direction will they go in? Um, it's too bad because the, you, I remember it wasn't that long ago where this was a really really tough stretch for the, not just the Bruins but for any East Coast team visiting California to go up against uh, Getzloff in Anaheim, mm-hmm. Kopitar in LA, and then Burns and I guess maybe Carlson's kind of in that mix, but that was always a a headache, Joe, uh, playing against uh, the Sharks for the Bruins. So who knows what Carlson's future is. Uh, It's it's really nice to see him performing at at that level because that's a difference-making player when he's healthy, but that's that's a lot of (laughs) financial freedom that the organization could could explore if they can find somebody to take on some or all of that, that money. So yeah, I would think from, from looking from the outside that this is, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time for this to mature and yeah, where do they go? Is, is, is Carlson uh, an asset that they could use for futures? Is Meyer something that they can explore for futures? Uh, Are they going to build around uh, hurdle, I guess. Uh, who, who knows? Um, so I, I, I would hope that that um, that Mike and and and, and Quinny can can uh, get this going in terms of traction, uh, in terms of contending. Because boy, it was such a, a contending team for such a long time and consistent mm-hmm. too. That was you could see some some of Boston in that. And you always expected San Jose to be in the mix, but. Yeah, it's uh, you would think that they could they could uh, go in a, in a pretty interesting direction. You obviously got to see Quinn a bit when he was with the Rangers. What was your um, you know kind of interpretation of, of him as a coach, knowing that the the team he was on was a little bit different than where the Rangers were <clears throat> entering this year, and then also versus where the Sharks are now. Well, David was was in the mix here in Boston after Bruce got let go. That he was he was right there with with Jim and and a couple other guys um, because he has a history here in Boston obviously mm-hmm. Boston University he's a local guy Rhode Island and uh, coached uh, Charlie McAvoy Matt Grizzlick so uh, hi- highly regarded from from Boston's perspective um, and you look at the history um, you would think there's there's a, a a history of development and connection with young players. Um, now, uh, who, who knows? Maybe the uh, it just wasn't the right time in the Rangers' 
uh, development for things to work out with David in terms of some of their younger players and then their mix of uh, the veteran guys. Uh, I, I don't know that situation very well, but obviously it didn't work out for him in, in New York. And uh, that's you would think that's that's a win-now franchise, the way that the Rangers are going. But yes, you would you would think that just given the history that there are, uh, I'm sure there are young players who enjoy playing for, for uh, Quinny. And yeah, he's uh, obviously he has a history with Mike, a uh, connection there. So good luck. It's, it's maybe this is, this is a, the spot for him to really gain some traction in terms of being an NHL coach. What is your take heading into tonight's game? Because I know that one of the exceedingly rare losses for the Bruins this year was to Arizona, a team that, you know, with all due respect, is like the Sharks, not a world beater. Do you think Montgomery walks into this game telling his guys, like, hey, Eric Carlson is on pace to have one of the best defensemen, you know, seasons ever. They have Tomas Hurdle, they have Timo Meyer. Like, do you think he is actively warning them not to fall into that trap game mentality? No, oh, of course. Of course, this is you can say all you want about how they've how many games they've won, but they're greedy, right? They they <laughs> want to keep on winning and they want to keep on uh, recording and banking points because uh, Toronto second place and yeah, there's there's still a ways back, but the Leafs are having a terrific year too. So yes, Bruins are greedy, and that's that's a good example, I'm sure, for Jim to point to Coyotes and playing in a, in a college rink and then they come back and they, they don't have any points against pretty much a, an American League team that's trying to lose. So yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, the, the, I'm, I suspect that he would send out Allmark to start. Um, Swayman played the, the other night in LA. Uh, otherwise, no major changes for, for the lineup uh, and away they go because uh, it's uh, th- that's probably the thing about this team this year is that they've won so many different ways and they, they haven't really relied on goaltending or power play or top line. It's just they are they are depth they they have depth at every position and they can beat you in so many ways. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like I one of the questions I usually ask is what should Sharks fans look for with Boston that's indicative of them doing what they want to do. But I I feel like every time I watch Boston, they're doing it in a different way, whether they're scoring like seven goals or winning like that 3-2 overtime game against Carolina um, back in um, uh, November, right around the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. I mean, I just feel like they can beat you in so many different ways. Yeah, when they're really rolling, it's... It's fast. It's it's in your face. They don't give opponents much room to breathe. It's just four lines, three pairs, really rolling, uh, playing at, at a good tempo and scoring uh, while also um, being stingy defensively. So that's that's when you'll see them on. And we they, they played pretty well against the Kings the other night that they there were there are a lot of elements of that game where you saw them playing on their toes not giving the Kings much, much room. Um, so that, that was, they checked very well. They had good legs, but yes, if, if they don't, if their a game is not present, then they can, uh, we've seen before the Kings game that they were not, they, they were not timely in terms of starting uh, in the first period, but this has been the best third period team in the league um, and they can come back and they can score that way. So yeah, it's, it's many, many different, tools that they have at their um, disposal to win uh, scoring checking uh, goaltending uh, you name it they have it 
Fluto, thank you so much for your time. Uh, appreciate uh, the heck out of your work with The Athletic, and I'll hopefully be bugging you again soon. All right, man? Okay, my pleasure, Ted. Again, that was Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. We are just about out of time, but be sure to join us at 7 o'clock tonight for live pregame coverage ahead of tonight's clash against the Bruins right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And then things get underway with the game broadcast at 7.30, and then I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. And there it is for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.